past week, the consumer price index was published. Came in at 9.1%. That is 9.1% higher prices year over year in the month of June. A shade above consensus of 8.8%. What does it mean? Well, it means that the Federal Reserve has license to perhaps get even more aggressive, more hawkish. But what does it mean for the stock market, the bond market, and beyond? Who knows, but we discuss anyway, as ever. We are not professionals. This is not financial advice. We know not what we do. Please don't listen to us, but please do enjoy Degenerate Business School. You know how I was telling James that if you're on Twitter, finance, FinTwit, as some people call it, there's a lot of crossover with some, some weird stuff. For instance, a lot, of, a lot of aggravation about seed oils we've talked about. <laughs> that has a Venn diagram with the crypto community. The other one that I was texting you about, Robert, is gut bacteria. It's a big Joe Rogan thing that is also cross-pollinated with the crypto community. And anytime Nancy Pelosi trades any shares and then does anything, there's a lot of outrage on, on Twitter about that. I guess the point is that a lot of these relationships between intellectual movements, we'll charitably call them, on social media, seed oil resistance, gut bacteria, balance, Nancy Pelosi's progression over time, <laughs> cryptocurrency. They are all related. Only a machine learning model would pick up these relationships. The, the internet's a weird place. <laughs> a weird place. James, what else, what else, what other conspiracies are in the FinTwit whirlpool that I left out? It's a lot of anti-vax stuff too. Uh really. Yeah, I can't think of one on the top of my head, but yeah, I mean, I've been, I've been on the like the anti seed oil kick, and I think it's actually doing something. I think I'm losing some weight. See, see, <laughs> but but yeah, I've gotten inadvertently influenced by by uh, by Nick Carter, and you know, yeah, I don't know. Okay, so no, what's the what's the gut bacteria thing? Oh yeah, a lot of kombucha, I guess. That's like another thing. It's like that whole Gwyneth Paltrow goop crap, all that wellness stuff. You know, it's all right. part of that thing, too. Okay. <laughs> Here's the thing. We all work in something adjacent to, like, analytics or in analytics, whatever. Call it whatever you want, right? Sure. And, and you know, in our field, everyone likes to pretend like we know these things. I just Correct. I have a hard time saying somebody who writes an algorithm says... See, because Greg is really into Twitter on finance, he's also going to be interested in seed oils, seed oils. Seed oils and whatever else. Like, <laughs> I, as a rather pedestrian, you know, person, would laugh you out of the room if you told me that. As it turns out, it's true. It's it's absolutely true. Oh, so, here, here, here's one. 
is like extreme fasting. There's like the people who do the um, intermittent fasting where, you know, like I only eat between the hours of 2 p.m. and 8 p.m. every day. But then there's also like guys will be like, oh, twice a year, I don't eat and I just drink water to reset the gut bacteria cycle. I can only imagine. It's a lot of that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for me, the key takeaway is I, I, I don't belong in, in social media. It's, it's just not for me. Um, I'm still influenced. I'm still, you know, indoctrinated into these, these schools of thought, but uh, through other means. I, I feel like it, it, it helps me. It helps me understand the world more, though. Like, if you spend as much time as... Well, James and I spend time on Twitter. You mostly golf. But I think if you spend more time on Twitter, which wouldn't be good for you, by the way. It's not a good thing. But I do think it helps me understand, like, hey, why does someone vote for Donald Trump? Don't try to understand it. It's, inter- it's swimming with all sorts of strange intellectual threads on the internet. Just so when people are like, ah, how could this happen? If you spent any time on FinTwit, you'd be like, oh, this makes all the sense in the world. I'm just glad it's not a seed oil candidate. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and there will be one. There's going to be a Bitcoin president. They keep saying it. So, you know, it's true. All right. Which leads me to inflation. It's a great, great transition. Machine learning algorithm has chosen inflation to talk about next. All right. So walking into Wednesday, the consensus for CPI was 8.8%, according to the investment banks. The Cleveland Nowcast was 8.6. It came in at 9.1. So I'm going to say a slight upside surprise. But nothing really happened, right? Like the, not nothing, but the 10-year treasury yield didn't really like move higher because there was an upside surprise. I found a guy on Twitter, not a seed oil guy, by the way, which as far as I can tell. And he, he actually did a good job breaking down how the bond market reacted to it, which was the front end of the curve basically priced in a, probably got the number wrong, but call it like a 25% chance there would be a 100 basis point hike at the next FOMC. So the front end of the curve went up, but because the front end of the curve went up, there is also an increased likelihood that the Fed would make a policy error and precipitate a sharper recession. So the long end of the curve actually went down a little bit. So there's actually some sideways action, basically in, in tech, closed up today, but I think it was down slightly for the week. I'm not exactly sure, but call flat. And uh, it looks like, oh, Robert, I I messaged you about this, that perhaps, this is one of the charts, that the long bond TLT, the Treasury long bond TLT ETF, might be forming a bottom 
hard, hard to tell exactly. It hasn't broken out, but it perhaps has formed a bottom over the last couple weeks. So I bailed out of that trade a little too early. I might get back into that. That's like the one thing that I'm watching because the equity market is still in a, a pretty defined down channel and we still have earnings. That seems to be the last shoe to drop on earnings in the near term. Uh, so there you go. Nailed it. I'm on it. It's a pretty Fine. widespread call that, I mean, that the rates have, 10-year rates have, have topped out for the year. Mm-hmm. Um, right? I mean, we kind of called it, right? 3-1 feels like it's the, the top, right? 3-1, yeah. 3-2. So we're consolidating around yeah. three. Yeah. So yeah. anytime it goes over three, you know, you figure you can be pretty safe to get back in. And if the tenure, if the tenure didn't go up on a, I'll call it a slight upside surprise in CPI, that probably tells you that it's, it's not going to go much higher. Mm-hmm. I, I, I understand that. And I agree, given, you know, the probability of a recession and all that. But how does, if you do in fact get 100 basis points next week, how does that support a 3% tenure? You'd have a, a federal funds at two and a half. Because that, that will, so right now, the federal funds is, being, is showing up in the front end of the yield curve. So as an, as an example, the one-year rate the day before the CPI print was 3.07, and the day after, it went up to 3.21. It's not the, the perfect answer, but the 10-year, the 10-year actually went from 2.96 down to 2.91, and then the longer durations went down a little bit too. So I think basically like, the more extreme the Fed gets this year, the more severe the recession will be, according to the bond market in longer durations. Yeah, I mean, well, the, we've had a the inversion for some time, and it just like it was always at a basis two point. Ten, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's but why the, it's that actually the two ten inversion choreography. It seems yeah. so. Uh, that guy, Julian, yeah, he talks about, it's like, the, that's when you, it, you know, it's called the bull steepener. It's not exactly that the 210 inverts, but that it gets severely inverted. I don't know. I probably just butchered that. But yeah, so I think if they come in at 100, the, the one-year rate will probably go up, but the 10-year might not. Or maybe the 10-year goes up a little bit. But to James's point, 3-1, like 3-2, it still would be basically in a zone of consolidation that it's been. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've always had that, that strange, um, that strange relationship where like, yes, it's supposed to be the cost of, of lending. Right. Right. But it's all, it also serves as a safe haven. So it sort of puts a cap on that. And obviously the recession means pressure on stocks, which means rallying and bonds. Um, so it makes sense. It shouldn't, but it, it does. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so it's the, 
feel like this is the this is the setup. Let's say going into the end of the year, what possibly what possibly could be mispriced is uh, because I I still think James knows this better, but I still think this basically uh, bakes rate cutting into twenty twenty three. Cause like a recession goes hand in hand with like anticipated rate cuts and the forward curve. Uh, there's downside risk. If the fed doesn't cut in early 2023, I think in, in like the way the yield curve is now. And then obviously, but I think the bigger thing for equities is earnings. Like how, how off the mark are earnings estimates or like how much does guidance come down from everyone that's reporting even, even Sundar, at Google is, is basically telling people we're not hiring anymore. So it's like, you can see a scenario where like, even if like a high flyer, like Google, like brought its guidance down a lot more than people expected, you know, that would be a, a catalyst for another leg lower or not, or not. But I feel like that'll be, that's the, that's the tell. Not Google Sorry. specifically, but earnings generally. So are you, are you going TMF again next week? Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, I was trying to figure out, I should have just held on to it, but like, because <laughs> I sold out of TMF at the end of June, I might be in the wash sale zone, but I think with those leverage products, they don't apply it to you. Because I think I can, you can do it with like XPS, XS, I think. You can buy within 30 days and still write off the any losses you have. Still trying to figure that one out. But yes, yes. That's, that's what I'm looking at. And then I have, an, I have another question for James on a related esoteric uh, macro question, which is, this is on Silver Surfer Corner, James. The dollar, the DXY is also getting a lot of buzz right now. Because or like euro euro dollar parity, looking at the inverse, to basically like the dollar versus all other currencies is on this parabolic run up, and I think the technical pattern is we're at like one oh eight now on DXY. That the that it really, it doesn't have resistance if you look at a multi year chart until like one twenty. But as anyone's guess, whether it like keeps running more or backs off. One thing I thought was interesting is, uh, I forget who was saying this, but apparently like precious metals have been a disappointment basically that for gold bugs, gold has outperformed the S&P, but it's still, I think like flat on the year. So it's like invalidating the inflation hedge hypothesis of gold or at least uh, superficially but apparently like gold really only rallies if the dollar is weak. So we're kind of in this setup with silver, which is basically a volatile version of gold or gold, where if the dollar backs up, a lot of people are talking about that trade too. Like if the dollar rolls over, then you pile into silver, which has gotten destroyed. Yeah. I mean, and dollar strength really is coming down to a lot of the, the fed tightening more than, Bank of Japan or ECB. And so they're kind of ahead of this, this tightening cycle, trying to regain their credibility. Because really the Fed is kind of like central bank, not just to the US, but to the world. 
And Japan's still kind of just just going QE, just throwing on QE doesn't really matter. They're still buying their own bonds. Mm-hmm. So definite j- j- Japan weakness and you got, you know, dollar safe haven. And then Euro is sort of, you know, I don't know. I guess they their their inflation really isn't kind of as out of control, I guess, in some of the, the Eurozone countries. In England it is, but other Eurozone countries. So they're a little bit behind in the tightening cycle. So I think just as that dynamic keeps playing out, then yeah, you'll see keep seeing dollar strength. Um, and then also buying treasuries too, um, as like the safe haven. But yeah, I mean, hard to say when it flips because I know dollar strength isn't like a sustainable position. Mm-hmm. Um, and and also like co- I'm getting killed on copper. I know for like, you know, I, have, I still hold my Freeport McMoran position. Um, and I think that's like record low or leather. It's get, like the sell-off in copper is getting cr- crushed. So yeah, I think there's, you know, if you're already down, I think, yeah, there, there will be a time when some of the metals will rally. Um, but I don't know. That, that's, it's a hard, hard, hard one in time. It, hard it is. A, even, even oil, oil is, got, is getting crushed recently. I mean, crushed on its highs. So there is a, it, we are in like the, even the high flying sectors are getting brutalized now. So everything's getting cheap. And, uh, yeah, it's like there are a lot of buying opportunities being presented. It's just like at this point, it's like I feel like the next six months you're going to be like sideways at best. Like you get a bear market rally, but then a correction down. So I don't think there's like I don't, I don't think there's a need to rush into any of it. Like even the TLT Babo. It's still like it's forming a bottom. It might break up. You could kind of wait a little bit to see if it actually starts to show signs of a breakout. You might not be in at the ass bottom, but you know. I mean, I, I, I want to <clears throat> try playing that again next week, but there's bound to be a lot of volatility, both with earnings and yeah, yeah, and, but. That's a, you don't have to rush. That's what I'm saying. You don't have to rush into it. Like you, yeah. I don't think you're gonna you're gonna you know like miss a lot if you buy now versus waiting till the end of the month or early October. Or, right. What month are we in? August. <laughs> Still, you should probably wait till early October. <laughs> <laughs> in any case, wait till early October. Yeah. It always feels like the market gets direction. You know post Labor Day, yeah. and all the traders come back from vacation. Um, and you might see, so maybe jumping that, like before that, maybe try to make some moves. Um, because at the same time, it's hard to say what's priced in, but strong dollar, definitely probably priced in. Everyone knows that you know they're trying to get regain their credibility and they're ahead of all the other central banks around the world who aren't as responsible. Yeah. No, it, it definitely feels like what's priced in is like an aggressive Fed this year, mm-hmm. but a dovish pivot in 2023. That's like the base case. There's still squishiness in the earnings picture. Mm-hmm. Right. And that, that will be validated over the next quarter or two. Yeah. But it's like, it's probably not going to, if, if anything's going to happen on the upside, it's not going to pop off till... Q4 at the earliest. 
and even then it'll just be the beginnings of something. Yeah. So in the meantime, Robert, gets, let's get swole. Let's get good at golf. Let's, James said that seed oils are no good. Does that mean all, like olive oil? Can't have it. Olive oil is good. Oh. Like I, I, you know, if I buy like tortilla chips or something, it'll have to be like avocado oil or something like that. Oh, it's like sunflower oil. Is that a so problem? Yeah, sunflower oil is bad. Vegetable oil. Yeah. Because okay. is it inflammatory? Is it like TB? Yeah, it's inflammatory and makes you fat. I guess. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, tortilla chips making you fat. I knew that one. <laughs> <laughs> and not as bad if they're made from avocado oil. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Got it, got it, got it, got it, got it.